Welcome to Textile Update, the podcast where we can share our passion for textiles, fibers, and yarns. This is Gwendolyn Hustvedt. This is the first of three episodes where I focus on the printing of textiles. Printing is an amazing and well, very uniquely modern kind of activity. Uh, the process of dyeing textiles has been around for millennia, but the printing of textiles, well, we certainly could do some hand processes earlier than that. And if you think about it, uh, placing your hand against the, the wall of a cave and spraying pigment around it, it's a kind of printing, right? But it wasn't until the printing press was invented that we really began to explore ways in which we could make printed textiles inexpensive and available to everyone. As I've mentioned before, uh, you can in fact take entire semester-long courses just on printing. So most of the printing techniques we use now, of course, originated as older, um, slower hand methods, such as uh, block printing with wooden blocks, right? So even now artists will choose to do a woodcut method. But nowadays we have these computerized mechanized printing that are so common that we can in fact have entire stores, right? I'm thinking of like the quilt basket, uh, the entire stores full of printed textiles there to support entire hobbies that were developed because of the inexpensive availability of printed fabrics. And so in printing, just to, just to explain, a printed textile, you can identify it because the colorant has been applied to one side of the fabric. Uh, while there, there is, of course, I'll mention uh, duplex printing, which is where you print on the back side with a different design. So you now have a design on each side. Uh, so you can tell because you flip the fabric over and you don't see a lot of color on the back. Well, the other thing that you can tell that something's been printed is that the design is so complicated. Uh, while it could have been resist printed by carefully, you know, using wax to resist areas, nah, come on, it's incredibly tiny, very detailed, um, and so you can tell that it's printed. Well, you can especially tell because there may in fact be a copyright warning on the side of the fabric that says, you know, this has been copyrighted by so-and-so. Which brings us to uh, another important um, point about printing. You know, copyright was developed along with the printing press. So the right to copy something using printing was reserved by the certain printer, right? And working in concert with the, with the creator of what was being printed. You can't copyright a fashion design. You can make a gorgeous dress, it looks beautiful, but you can't copyright it. And that's because the whole structure of copyright wasn't, a, you know, isn't about dress, dressmaking. It isn't about tailoring. But if you design a print that can be used in a textile, you can copyright that print. So you could make pretty average fabric backpacks and purses that anybody could copy. But you could then make designs for the fabric that you use for your average cloth quilted backpacks and purses, right? And suddenly you have a brand because you can enforce the copyright. No one else can copy your prints. And so that's where we see intellectual property coming into textiles and, and fashion production for the first time. There are people who have whole careers designing 
uh, prints to be used in textiles. I was just looking at some cave facet uh, uh, printed textiles um, uh, because I was thinking about uh, using them for one of the shirts that I uh, make for myself, right? So name a name designer uh, who has had a career in designing textiles. Uh, a couple of vocabulary terms. Uh, colorway is what we call the um, uh, use of several different designs. So of course, back in the day when designers, and even a designer like Kay Facet will use gouache uh, paint to paint their design, uh, visited the London Museum of Fashion and Textiles in London and saw some Liberty prints and saw the actual gouache um, illustration boards that were used to design it. Uh, so then the, the artist would draw a black and white drawing and then copy it and then basically kind of color in using different sets of colors. Uh, so we call it a colorway because the same design is repeated with different colors. Nowadays on the computer, who is it easy to design different colorways? Another vocab term, something could be called an overprint if we print the design onto a fabric that's already been piece dyed. Uh, or we might even piece dye it after we print it. We have to be careful that the, that the color we're dyeing, it doesn't clash with the printing. Um, so let me talk first about uh, the uh, one of the major categories, which I won't be able to cover completely in this first episode, but I'll get a good way. And that is direct printing. And part of the reason why I am not going to cover the whole thing in one episode is because indirect printing, there's only like one thing, right? Direct printing, there's a number of different ways to do the printing directly. Yeah, we print using dyes and pigments directly onto the surface of the fabric. And you're thinking, how can you do it not directly? Well, when I get to indirect printing, I'll explain that to you. Uh, direct printing, uh, general rule of thumb, the more colors, the more complex the design, the more expensive it is. I'm going to start with the hand method, uh, block printing, very ancient, right? Uh, it's basically stamping uh, or like a wood block. Uh, but uh, in block printing, uh, especially in places like India where it was done for millennia, you would have a whole set of complex carved blocks, uh, you know, different uh, shapes, the Buddha shape or a tree shape or a, uh, a maiden shape or an elephant shape. And you could combine these different uh, blocks and to create the design that you're after. Uh, in fact, uh, printed fabrics from India were quite the revelation to Europeans when they began to uh, colonize through trade out into the, uh, you know, past the, the um, uh, Cape Horn there and uh, got into the Indian Ocean and encountered Indonesian batiks and uh, uh, block printed Indian textiles. Uh, in fact, these textiles were considered so uh, exciting, so gorgeous, so beautiful and complex that their importation was uh, made illegal, right? Well, what does that do when you tell people they can't have something, right? People just wanted it all the more. Then only rich people could have it. We think this may have been one of the reasons why uh, applique quilting was innovated because people had small pieces of block printed uh, textiles from India. They could cut it apart, take each of the motifs separately, spread them out over a large piece of white fabric and make it go a lot further. So you could have, uh, could have paid a fortune for a tiny piece of fabric and ended up with something that could cover a whole wall. Block printing, uh, like uh, 
resist printing, we go from light to dark. So uh, although we'll often start with one block that has the very darkest color as a kind of outline that allows us to line up the blocks as carefully as we can. Although hand block printed fabrics are never perfect. Interior designers are going to enjoy block printed textiles for wallpaper and matching uh, textiles to use in the home. Even though they're going to be very expensive, they give their clients a feeling of um, bespoke uh, and um, an expensive customization, which people may be willing to pay for in an interior that will last for years. After block printing, right, uh, we moved on to a uh, printing press with movable type, but in between we did copper plate engraving. And copper plate engraving is the step before we move into roller printing. So if we have an engraved copper plate that we have, uh, you know, we're spreading uh, ink or, or uh, dye paste onto, then uh, we could press it into paper or we could press it into a textile instead. Uh, it's still slow and time consuming because we have to lift the block and re um, uh, wet it with the print paste and then press it down against the textile that we've moved down very carefully to align it. But fabric called Toile de Jouy, which came from Jouy, France, and is known for its monochromatic prints, uh, red and white or blue and white, with scenes of, um, you know, uh, chateaus and, and uh, you know, lords and ladies and ducks and pawns and swings and shepherds and all that sort of thing. You know the fabric I'm talking about. Um, these would have been copper plate printed. But very quickly, an innovation was discovered. What if we were to actually bend that copper plate and wrap it around the outside of a roller? A roller that was powered, using power for the first time, by a uh, band, a belt that is attached to a mill of some sort. And so the mill is turning the roller, the ro roller trundles along, and we can feed the fabric through the roller or under the roller and the design can be applied continuously. We do have to solve the problem of how do we get the print paste onto the roller continuously. Print paste is uh, uh, made up of um, some thickeners that make it so that it doesn't just drip all over and the dyes and pigments that are being applied during printing. The um, the uh, study of how to make that print paste the correct viscosity is called rheology. And so now uh, phlebotomists, what they do is called rheology because blood thickens, but the term was first applied to thinking about things like the, the print paste and making it the correct thickness. It needs to be liquid enough that the dye will spread out into the fabric just a bit, but not so thick that it goes nuts, right? That it mostly stays where you put it. Uh, early thickeners, uh, you know, you might have used uh, cornstarch or other kinds of starches, but over time that became a whole science in and of itself. So how do we apply this print paste to the uh, moving roller? We'll have a trough that sits at the top of the roller with a thin little slit at the bottom of the trough. The print paste dribbles out of the slit, right? And uh, so we have to make sure there's enough paste uh, the, uh, that's heavy enough above the slit that it's coming out at the right pressure. And the, the roller passes by, and so the print is kind of uh, the paste is sort of wiped out of the slot onto the roller. 
The roller will then pass by a rubberized kind of squeegee uh, sort of blade that's called the doctor. That's what it's called. It's not a Doctor Who joke. It's just the doctor. And the doctor's at a slight angle so that the paste that it's wiping it at an even thickness, right? And so the paste is in the grooves of the roller, but not out on the surface. And uh, the um, angle of the doctor blade allows the excess paste to, to slide down the blade to the bottom where it's collected and then put back into the trough at the top. And then the roller uh, continues to travel down where it touches the fabric at the right pressure to uh, mix with the proper rheology of the paste to apply the design in exactly the right way. Once you get all of this stuff adjusted, then uh, roller printing is basically printing money. You are doing very little work and you can charge quite a lot more for that fabric than if it were a plain solid color. And so you just turn dye chemicals into money using your big roller machine. Uh, roller printing, uh, you'll typically have one roller for each color. And again, the more colors you have, the more expensive it'll get. Uh, and because you're just scratching your design onto this uh, engraved roller, uh, you can have fairly small scale designs. Let's see, uh, typically uh, these uh, fabrics will have an unprinted background. So roller printing will have an unprinted background and very often the, the selvage, the edge of the fabric has been printed as well. Some vocabulary words for roller printing. A blotch print is when we switch and the background is printed and the design is not printed. That requires a whole separate roller because you have to scratch away everything that was the background and the other design and what was the design is then unscratched. Right? Uh, let's see, duplex printing, I mentioned that before, that would be where we would print on one side of the fabric uh, with one design and a different design on the other side of the fabric. Yeah drapery. That might be the main end use for that. I'm going to leave it there and in the next episode I'm going to talk about uh, warp printing which is a roller variation. I'm going to talk about screen printing which is a whole separate technology and I'm going to talk about the indirect printing with also a nod to inkjet printing. Mm -hmm.